Yes. Well, we have been talking about courage this month. We've been talking about convictions. We've been talking about standing out. And here's the amazing thing about the life of Daniel. And if you have your Bible, you could turn with me to Daniel chapter six. We make some noise when we open up the word. As you're turning there, the thing about Daniel that just caused him to stand out is that no matter who was the king, and by this point, Daniel had now lived through three different kings, Nebuchadnezzar, and he was the one that turned into a beast or turned like a beast. And then uh, when he repented out of humility, he got his kingdom back and he was restored in his mind. Then there was another king after him, his son, Belshazzar, in Daniel chapter five. Belshazzar got a lot of pride, never repented, didn't learn the lesson of his dad, Nebuchadnezzar, and he lost his kingdom to the Persians and the Medes. Then we get to Daniel chapter six. There's a new king and his name is Darius. And now King Darius, he was different. He was different than Nebuchadnezzar, different than Belshazzar. King Darius didn't know Daniel from anybody. He didn't know about Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who had been through the fire, who had stood next to Daniel. King Darius had a new culture. He had a, a, a new style, a new way of doing things, new politics, but Daniel served the same God. It doesn't matter if your boss changes, your supervisor changes, you still have the same God. And the God who helped you at the last company can help you at this company. And the God who was with you in your last location is with you in this location. And the God who helped you in your last occupation can help you in this occupation. Daniel wasn't scared. He wasn't afraid of getting fired or losing his job. He knew God was with him and that God gave him favor, that he served a higher power than the supervisor that was over him and that God could supersede what man would try to do. So we get to uh, Daniel 6, verse 1, and it says that Darius was hiring new people. He was bringing in his crew, and he's, he's surrounding himself with different administrators and officers. In verse 2, he finds new guys that he's appointing to high positions in Babylon. By the way, Israel was in captivity to Babylon. Babylon was the biggest empire. It was the Rome of its day. There was no one that could compete with Babylon. In fact, there were no other armies out there. It was a monarchy. And so Darius basically was king of the world. And here Daniel was in captivity. He was an Israelite, a Jew. And he was under captivity to the Persians, the Medes, the Babylonians. He was in a godless land, and yet God was about to promote him. And look at verse 3. It says that Daniel set himself apart. Very soon, he proved over time how capable he was, more capable than all the other co-workers, administrators, and high officers. And because of Daniel's great skill and excellent spirit, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Isn't it amazing that God used Daniel and promoted him, that his promotion didn't come from the king, but came from the king of kings. And I want to remind you this morning, your promotion comes from God. God wants you to stand out in your company. I believe God didn't call Christians to stay at the bottom of the totem pole, but God's called you to climb the ladder, to be in charge, to take ground, take territory, be an influence on society. I love that God was using Daniel, a godly man, in a godless nation, and he was changing the culture. Rather than letting the culture change him, he was changing the culture. And when you start to stand out, people notice it. In verse four, it said that the other administrators and high officers, they began searching for some fault they could find in Daniel. They were jealous. They were hating on Daniel. Haters gonna hate, but you better shake, shake, shake it off. So Daniel wasn't going to let their hate stop him. 
These guys hated him. They wanted to get rid of him. They were trying to find ways to accuse him. And it says that they couldn't find anything, that Daniel was trustworthy. He was faithful. He was responsible. And there was no fault they could find. So they concluded, the only way we can get rid of Daniel, in verse 5, is if we use his religion against him. Everybody say religion. religion. The devil wants to use religion to separate you from God. He wants to find a way to get rid of you. It was religion that drove the Pharisees to put Jesus on the cross. You know, the, the story of Daniel is like a shadow of Jesus. Jesus went into the lion's den so that we wouldn't have to. He took our punishment that was upon, that should have been on us, he took it upon himself. He was buried for three days and raised from the dead. Daniel was going down into the lion's den, not because he did anything wrong, but because these guys used religion against him. They said, here's what we're gonna do. We're going to make a decree. And it says in verse six, they came to the king. They said, King Darius, you're amazing. These guys had a man crush on King Darius. It was weird. They were, they were just really like brown nosing him, just trying to make, them, make him like them. And so they said, long live King Darius. We're all in agreement. We've all been talking, all the officers and administrators, and we all agree. And by the way, Daniel was one of the administrators, and he wasn't part of this agreement. They said, we all agree that we all need to pray to you and you alone. For the next 30 days, if anybody prays to another God or another person besides you, King Darius, because you're amazing and we love you, if somebody prays to someone other than you, they must be thrown into the lion's den. Now, that wasn't just a den of one lion. It was many lions. In other words, the, their fate would be sealed. They would lose their life if they were to pray to any other God but King Darius. Now, King Darius was busy. He had a lot of stuff going on. They caught him at the right time. And he said, this sounds like a good idea. He had an ego like most kings do. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. I'll sign it. Seals it. And doesn't realize what he's doing. And these guys caught him off guard. So immediately this law was passed that if anybody prays to anyone except King Darius for the next 30 days, they will be thrown into the lion's den. Verse 10, when Daniel heard about this law, when Daniel learned about it and what the consequences were if he was to pray to his God, he went home, he knelt down as he usually did, and he opened his windows. Everybody say, open windows. And he prayed towards Jerusalem three times a day. What was Daniel doing? Daniel was saying, you don't control what I do with my life. You don't control what convictions I have. You don't change my character. You can change my name. You can take me in captivity, but you can't change my identity. I'm a child of God. I'm staying in communion with God. You can make me work in a godless country, but you can't take away my God. Daniel was saying, Lion's den or no lion's den, I'm not giving up. I'm going to worship God with my windows open. I'm going to love Jesus with my windows open. I'm going to praise God with my windows open. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God working in my life. Daniel knew who his God was. He knew the consequences that he would face. He knew that he would go to the lion's den. The thing I love about Daniel is he didn't wait till he got into the lion's den to start praying. He prayed long before that. This wasn't something he did because now a religious law had been passed. They're passing laws in America. Now we need to start, you know, doing something. Now that it's illegal, we should start doing it. <laughs> Daniel was already disciplined. Everybody say discipline. This was a habit he had formed over his lifetime to pray on a daily basis. You know, I was in Africa this summer and I was in the airport of Rwanda and Kenya with our missions team. 
and there was a room in the airport, a room for men and a room for women, and it was packed. It was a room as small as this stage, and it was Muslims praying, bowing down and standing up and praying loud to Allah. And, and I asked someone who was with me, I said, is this normal? They said, yeah, it's packed every day. These Muslims, they pray at least six, seven, eight times a day. And I mean, mats stacked next to each other, up and down, praying, shouting, praying to Allah. And I thought, if Christians would be as disciplined to pray, if Christians would have a commitment to pray, to not wait until they're in a crisis to introduce themselves to God, <laughs> to not wait until you're surrounded by lions to say, hey, God, I know we haven't talked in a long time, but I could use your help. I'm about to lose my life. I'm about to lose my job. I'm about to lose all this stuff. And stop waiting until you're in the lion's den to start talking to God. If you take anything from this message today, take the principle of prayer. You say, well, I don't know if prayer changes anything. Prayer changes everything. I'll put prayer up against any other alternative you give me. Well, protesting changes stuff. Prayer changes stuff. Well, fighting changes stuff. No, prayer changes stuff. You want to know how Daniel changed his nation? Through prayer. You want to know how you're going to change your family and change your nation? Not by punching them, not by screaming at them, not by cussing at them, not by getting on Facebook and trying to shut all the lion's mouths. That's not your job. That's God's job. If you'll get in communion with God, start praying on your knees, you can change your environment. Daniel was a prayer warrior. Did you know prayer? It's your armor. You got to wear prayer every day. Don't just pray on Sunday. Don't just pray when you're in church. Pray on Monday. You want some Monday motivation? Get up at 7 a.m. and pray for this church. Pray for Israel. Pray for America. Pray for your boss. Instead of complaining about everything that's wrong in your life, pray about it. The thing about Daniel is he prayed for Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was ruined. It had been taken captive by Babylon. The walls had fallen. It was in ruins. And I wonder what your Jerusalem is. What are you praying for? Daniel was not discouraged. He would face Jerusalem in ruins. And he would pray every day, Lord, I thank you that a king is coming one day that will restore Jerusalem, that will bring the Jews back to Israel. Lord, I thank you that a king that can't be voted out is coming one day. Daniel was praying with expectancy. He was praying on his knees in humility, in transparency, with his windows open, unashamed about his relationship with God. What if you started praying at the workplace? What if every day, wherever you work, or at your school, at your campus, with your friends, what if you took some time, carved time out out of your day to just pray? and pray to God, and pick a Jerusalem to pray for. Pray for the, the natural Jerusalem, but pick something in your life that you've been upset about, that you've been complaining about, and start circling it with prayer. Start praying that the ruins are coming back to life. Pray for your husband, pray for your wife, pray for your parents, pray for your kids, pray for your family. Pray that strife is not gonna take you down. Pray that your finances are gonna turn around, but whatever you do, pray, pray. This is what Daniel did. Rather than seeing this threat as something that was gonna take him out, he saw this setback as a setup for God's glory to be revealed in his life. He knew that this, this situation, God had it all under control. 
And so these guys see him. They see him praying. It says in verse 11, these guys watched Daniel from his house. They could see him. They could hear him praying and asking God for his help. Notice in verse 10 that Daniel gave God thanks before he asked God for help. When you pray, a model prayer is not to start off with, I need, I need, I need, but to start off with, thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done. Because of you, I'm still breathing. Thank you, God. Now, may I request, there's some needs that I have. Daniel started with thanksgiving, then he went into his request. Do you know what prayer is? Bottom line, prayer, I can define it in one sentence. Prayer is dependence upon God. Prayer is dependence upon God. I can tell you at the core of why you aren't praying, it's because you think you can do this without God. The reason you don't pray that much is because you're trying to fight your own battles. You're trying to change your spouse. You're trying to change your kids. You think you can save your prodigal son. You are not the savior of the world. Only God can do it. Stop trying to fight all the battles by yourself. Depend upon God. That's why he's there. He wants you to call on him. You know, I think about some of you who have an alarm system in your house. The alarm system only works when you type in the code to activate it. It's there, but it won't work until you activate it. You know you have a provision, a protection, you have a deliverance from God, but you have to activate it by prayer. You have promises that God has already put out there, but the way you activate them is by praying to God, being in communion with God, depending upon God. Daniel was activating his alarm system. He was activating his provision. He was activating the promises of God before he was in the den. And so these guys, they see him doing it. They go to the king. They say, did you know? Did you know that you signed a law that anybody who prays to anyone except you, King Darius, for the next 30 days must be thrown into the lion's den? The king said, yes. And that law cannot be revoked. I signed it. And they said, well, that man, Daniel, they couldn't even say his name, even though he was their supervisor. That man, Daniel, that you put in charge of stuff, he's been praying to his God. What are you going to do about it, King? King Darius was troubled. He was disturbed at this thought. He liked Daniel. He wanted to help Daniel. He began thinking of ways he could save Daniel and revoke the law, but he couldn't do it because man can't save man. Only God can. You can't save your spouse. Only God can. And so King Darius had to let go and let God. Even though he didn't really believe in God, he believed in Daniel. And so that night, the, the, the officers, the administrators that came to King Darius and they said, King, it's time to get Daniel. It's time to throw him in the den. Remember what he did? It's time. And so they arrested Daniel in verse 15. They brought him to a dungeon. I imagine it getting darker that night as Daniel was walking and he could hear the growls of lions. Show me some growls tonight. <laughs> These lions weren't pussycats. These were some ferocious lions. <laughs> now listen to this. Listen, listen. I know you guys think this is funny and crazy, but this is not a myth. This is real. And Daniel was not some superhuman. He was like you and me. He was an average guy. I think sometimes we read the Bible and we place these Bible characters as they're somehow stronger than we were. These stories are for us to be inspired to know we might not face natural lions out here, but we will face some ferocious attacks of the enemy. The Bible says that the devil lurks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 
So when you hear the story of Daniel, be inspired that an average man who prayed activated the supernatural power of God. So there's nothing you walk through that God can't deliver you from. There's nothing you're facing right now that God cannot intervene. And if you think you're gonna do it all by yourself, you are a mistaken Christian. You have not placed your faith in the most high God. You are going through the routine and the rituals of church. You need to recognize this faith is real. I've seen it in my life. I've seen God shut the mouths of lions. I've seen accusations that could have taken me out, taken you out, been revoked by the power of God. These stories are powerful. And so in verse 16, King Darius throws Daniel into the lion's den. And he says, Daniel, may the God whom you serve so faithfully, may he rescue you, you, you. It echoes in that lion's den. And then in verse 17, it says that they rolled a stone over the top of the lion's den, sealing his fate. Imagine with me that night as it got darker in that den. Daniel could hear the lions around him. I need some help. There's a few of you guys out here that this morning you're supposed to be a part of this message. So you, you know who you are. Come up here right now. And I'm going to call these guys up this morning. Give these guys a big hand as they're coming up. And I want you to put on your lion masks all around this room. Now listen. This week when I was with this, this lady who owns lions in Oklahoma, which is just wild, <laughs> she had names for her lions. Each lion had a name that she would call those lions by name. And we don't know the names of the lions that were surrounding Daniel, but make no mistake, these lions had names. And I wonder what lions you're facing today. I want you guys to surround me, make a semicircle kind of around me. Look at these intense lions. <laughs> make some roar noises. I wonder what lions you're facing. I know that night Daniel was not just staring at the face of one lion, but he was staring at the face of many lions. I want you guys just to turn around the cards that you're holding, the names of these lions that maybe you're facing. Accusation comes at us. Anybody ever been accused of something you didn't do? Isn't it painful when the people around you believe the accusation? Guilty until proven innocent. We know you did it. Don't lie. The Bible says that the devil's the accuser of the brethren. Slander. My brother said he's the lying king. Get it? The lying king? I thought it was clever. He lies. He whispers lies. We know what you did. You blew it. Apathy. Apathy is a lion of trying to steal your energy, trying to steal your hope. Your best days are behind you. You don't have any strength left. Apathy causes you to check out. It's almost like you're brain dead. You're here, but you're not here. When you get bit by that lion, you limp around and, and you're disengaged from life. You come to church and it's just a check mark. You go home, it's just a check mark. Everybody knows you're coasting. You've lost your passion, your enthusiasm, your excitement for life. Fear. Rawr. 
We're going to eat you alive, Daniel. These lions wanted to intimidate Daniel. They wanted to strike fear. They wanted him to run, panic, stress, worry. The devil wants to get you all caught up in fear. Temptation. Now, Billy Graham said, as long as you're living, temptation surrounds you. If there's flesh around your spirit, temptation surrounds you. It always boggles me when Christians say, I'm not tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's what you do with your temptation. And so I don't know what temptations are facing you, old vices, old habits, things that you used to do, you haven't done in a while, or maybe it's something you've just been doing secretly. That temptation is saying, well, I'm gonna eat you alive. Your daddy did it, your grandpa did it, you're gonna do it too. You'll always bow to me. This line of temptation comes after people so much, pulling them back into that old sin. Guys, make a little more of a semicircle there, yeah. Offense. This lion lurks around the parking lots of churches. <sighs> Those Christians, they're so fake. They don't really like you. Did you hear what he said about you? Did you know they did? He doesn't deserve your forgiveness. Offense, it lurks in your home, trying to get you offended at your spouse, offended at your sister, your brother. It lurks in the workplace, offended at your boss, your coworkers. They betrayed me, Paul. They betrayed me. Your ex-husband, your ex-wife. The betrayal, it hurts. It's like a lion bite. You feel like you're not gonna, you're not gonna make it. We've gotta learn not to let offense kill us. We've gotta learn how to kill offense. Defeat. You failed. You failed. You're not going to get up from this. Defeat, it's a line of discouragement, just growling. Rawr. You're defeated. Your best days are behind you. You missed it. You missed your chance. You missed your opportunity. You're not going to get up from this. You're done. This was your final round. You're done. Hate. Hate tries to get inside you, tries to condemn you, tries to make you angry with other people, tries to get you hateful towards other people. Shame. You better carry around that regret. You missed it, that guilt. You need to hold on to that shame on you, shame on you. We know what you did in your past. I can go on and on. There's so many different lions that we face. Some of you are facing a lion named loneliness. Nobody cares for you. Nobody's there for you. Nobody's coming to your hospital. Nobody's coming to your funeral. Nobody's showing up for you. You're all by yourself, Daniel, all alone. Where's your friends now, Daniel? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They weren't in on this with you. You're all by yourself. Some of you are battling the lion of loneliness as a single, as a widow, maybe a single parent. Maybe you're young in this room, older in this room, and you just hear that lion roaring. They get closer and closer. Come on, get closer, closer. All right, not that close. <laughs> and they're growling, supper time. How do you escape the lion's den? How do you overcome it? I asked this lady who owns these lions, I said, what do I do? If I encounter a lion out in the wild, 
And she was like, you think you're gonna encounter a lion in Tulsa? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> what happens though, what do I do? She said, there's rules, there's laws on how to handle a lion in the wild when there's no cage between you and the lion. She said, the first rule is this, don't panic. And I thought about that. I was like, of course, I'm going to panic. That's the first thing I'm gonna do. She said, don't panic. This is what so many people do. They panic. They give in to this fear. They play into what the lion wants you to do, to be intimidated by it. It's bigger than you. It's stronger than you. It's more powerful than you. It's haunting you in your night. It's haunting you, trying to steal your sleep. And I thought about the scripture in Isaiah 41, verse 10, where God says, don't panic. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Don't be discouraged. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up in my victorious right hand. I thought about how in the Bible, 365 times, God says, fear not, fear not. That's a fear not for every day of the year. That every day I wake up, I can remind the enemy. I don't have to be afraid of you, devil. I don't have to be afraid of you, lack. I don't have to be afraid of you, loneliness. I don't have to be afraid of you, temptation. My God's greater than you. What gave Daniel the courage to not panic? I'll tell you what it was. He knew whose he was. He was from the tribe of Judah. And the Bible says that God is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He knew that the lion inside of him was greater than the lions outside of him. He knew that the power that lied within him that was greater than the power that was outside of him. He didn't panic because he knew God was with him. So what did Daniel do? He did what he always did. He prayed. Oh God, shut the mouths of these lions. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver me from all evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen. Oh God. I will live and not die and declare the glory of God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff that comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Surely your goodness, your mercy, they'll follow me all the days of my life. There's something about prayer that changes the atmosphere. How do you not panic? You pray. How do you not get stressed? You pray. How do you not get overwhelmed by life's circumstances? Pray. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds my future. Doesn't matter who's standing around me. Doesn't matter what king is voted in. I know that the king of kings sits on the throne. He is the creator of the cosmos. He set the universe in its place. He put the sun and the moon and all the planets in perfect position. He sees the bigger picture. I don't know why I'm here, but I know God's going to get the glory in the end. Some of you are facing the mouths of lions and you think somehow God forgot about you. 
You think somehow God did this to hurt you. What if God has you there to bring him glory? What if you're in that position for it to be a testimony of his power? The second thing this lady said is don't run. And I thought that's the next thing I would do is run. I would panic and then I would run. I would, I would jump off a cliff and hope to survive that instead of standing next to the lion. She said, don't run. If you turn your back on a lion, you're dead meat. Don't run. I said, what do I do? She said, stand, face the lion. And I thought about Ephesians chapter six that says when I done all I know to do when I've put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, when my shoes are shot with the gospel of peace and I got the shield of faith which blocks every fiery dart from the enemy and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and I've done everything I know to do. Stand therefore. Stand your ground. Don't you run from the enemy. Don't you run from the temptation. Don't you run from the accusation. Don't you curl up in a ball and hide and act like the enemy is going to overwhelm you. Don't run from Goliath. Face the lions. Face the giants. You're not bigger than my God. You're not greater than my God. You're not stronger than my God. My God can take you down. My God can take you down. My God can shut you down. My God can shut your mouth. Why are we running from lions that are smaller than the lion of the tribe of Judah? Why are we running from lions that we've been called to chase and destroy? Our youngest son, his name is Benaiah. Benaiah. It's a name in the Bible that very few people have heard of. And when he was born, we didn't know what we were going to name him. But that morning I was reading in my quiet time and, and the daily Bible reading in our, in our church that we have every day was in 2 Samuel and it was the story of a man who chased a lion on a snowy day into a pit and he took the lion out and his name was Benaiah. And it said God used this man named Benaiah to be an armor bearer for King David and then King Solomon. And I looked at Ashley and said, his name is Benaiah. And she said, yes, I like that, a strong, we are not called to run from lions. We are not called to run from the darkness. We are called to run into the darkness with the light. Come on, Jesus. The third thing that she said, and this is going to get the 11 a.m. excited. She said, make some noise. Make some noise. This is all true. You can Google it. What to do when you face a lion in the wild. Don't panic. Don't run. Make some noise. She said, when that lion starts to charge you, you got to make yourself loud and big. Start clapping. Start shouting. Start jumping. Hey, my God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. How great is our God? His name is Yahweh. He is the great I am. He's the first and the last. Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. So when you make some noise, that's when you start to praise and worship and pray. We're going to do that in just a moment. What do you do when you're facing the lions of fear, doubt, lack? Some of you right now are facing a lion named Lack and it's breathing 
behind your back. You say, Paul, I'm overwhelmed. I, I can't give to God. I, there's, there's more bills than there is month. I, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. Financially, I'm just losing. I'm losing. This lion is eating me alive. This lion called lack. It's destroying me and my family. I'm down to nothing. When you have God, you're never down to nothing. You always have the upper hand. When you have God, you and him are the majority against the collectors. You and him are the majority against the bills. Make some noise. Don't lose your praise. There's an airport in South Carolina or North Carolina. There's an Air Force base where loud jets fly into this airport base. And out in front, there's a big sign, billboard that says, pardon the noise, that's the sound of freedom. I love that. Church, we need to remind the devil, we're still here, freedom! You need to give a brave heart freedom shout. You need to remind the devil what Jesus has done for you. Lord, we praise you. The fourth thing she said is stay ready and alert. Stay alert and ready. You never know when the lions might attack. They're nocturnal. They don't sleep through the night. They're prowling around. They want to catch you off guard. So we can rest. We, we don't have to panic. We don't have to be afraid because the one who neither sleeps nor slumbers is watching over you just like he watches over Israel. Yet we must not become so prideful thinking no lion's going to get me. I don't need accountability. I don't need to go to church. I can coast for the next 12 months. I don't have to read my Bible or pray. No, no, no. Stay ready on a daily basis. Stay alert. Stay alert. Temptation tries to catch you off guard. The fifth thing she said, and this was her final point, she said, fight back if he charges. And I thought, are you serious? She said, yeah, if he throws a claw, you throw a claw. I was like, I don't have claws. I was like, you sound like George of the jungle. I am not George of the jungle. I cannot fight lions. She said, if he fights, you fight. There's something about fighting the lion back that makes the lion step back. Because the lion doesn't expect you to do anything. It expects you to surrender and die. But when you start to fight back, Ephesians 6, 12 says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of this dark world. How do we fight? We fight with prayer. We fight with praise. We fight with worship. We fight by speaking the word of God, living on the word of God. Every day, man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God in his word, there is life. And I added this last point. She didn't give it. This is the God factor. Trust in God's supernatural power. What did Daniel do? He trusted in the God factor. He trusted in the supernatural power of God. So that night, Daniel slept in the lion's den, surrounded by lions. These were hungry lions. The next day, they would be eating Daniel's enemies. And the enemies wouldn't even touch the ground before they were ripped to pieces. These lions were ferocious and hungry. But there's just some meat that's not edible. And it's the children of God. You can't touch the Lord's anointed. You can't touch the Lord's anointed. When you do, you better watch out. You're a child of God. Satan can't touch you. He can't snatch you out of God's hand. That night, Daniel rested. And the next day, King Darius came in 
he opened up the seal and maybe he could see the lions growling. Maybe he wasn't sure if he could see Daniel in the shadows and he said, Daniel, has your God whom you serve so faithfully been able to rescue you and deliver you from the lions? Maybe there was a pause in the next verse. You could feel the relief in Darius's heart. All of a sudden, Daniel shouts back, long live the king, my God has shut the mouths of these lions. He shut the mouths of these lions. Oh, king, I'm an innocent man. I'm a righteous man. And that day, Daniel was delivered from the mouths of the lions. Give these guys a big hand. Thank you so much for standing up here. I want you to stand on your feet this morning. What God did for Daniel, he can do for you. I love how that chapter ends. His enemies are served justice. He is promoted and he prospers the rest of his life. This morning, I want to tell you, no matter what lions you're facing, I don't know what den of lions you're in. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's the roommates you're with. Maybe it's the school or the company you work for. Maybe it's coworkers around you that are just slanderous, accusing. Maybe it's just the enemy in your thought life. You just keep listening to those lies of defeat, of loneliness. You're all alone shame, lack, maybe it's finances, the bills are piling up. You're surrounded by lions. The same God who shut the mouths of lions for Daniel can shut the mouths of lions for you today. I see a man in this place right now who's facing lawyers and attorneys who have said, you're done. You won't get out of this. You might as well just give up. We got you. Oh, God, shut the mouths of lions. Maybe it's a court case. Maybe it's a legal case. I don't know what it is. There's a mom in this room, and you feel like you're surrounded in a den of lions. There's a single in this room, and you feel surrounded by lions. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today, and you are facing some lions, we all face lions. But maybe you're here today and these lions have been trying to intimidate you. Maybe you feel discouraged. Maybe you're here today and you say, Paul, I need the supernatural power of God. I need God to intervene right now in this situation. I want you to just lift your hand all over this room. Yeah, hands going up from the front to the back. Wow. God knew exactly what he needed to speak to his church today. Yeah. Whoa. All over this room, hands are going up. Lord, I need your help. I need you to shut the mouths of these lions. I need you to shut this lion of lack down in my life. Loneliness, fear, shame, temptation, failure, defeat, discouragement, cancer, sickness, disease. Secondly, you're here today and you say, Paul, if I'm really honest, I haven't been praying like you talked about today. I haven't been activating that alarm system. I haven't had a, a daily discipline of prayer and I want to. I want to pray like Daniel prayed. I want to have a daily carved out time of prayer. I want you to raise your hand if that's you. You're saying, yeah, I'm committing to a life of prayer. From this day forward, I'm committing that I am going to pray more on a daily basis instead of complain about situations. I'm going to find a Jerusalem to pray for, something in my life. I'm going to pray for Israel. I'm going to pray for America. And I'm going to pray for some things going on in my life. Lastly, here today, you say, Paul, I'm not right with God. I need to repent and give my life to Jesus Christ. If that's you, just raise your hand. Today's your day to do it. Today's your day. 
He loves you, he's for you. If you raised your hands for any of those, I wanna invite you down to this altar. Just leave your seat right now. Meet me at this altar. Come on down to this den right here. This is the lion's den. Get the lion of the tribe of Judah stirring up your heart this morning with prayer, with a sense of praise. Can we sing that song, How Great Is Our God, Antonio? I want us all over this room as people are coming down, cheer them on and let's begin to praise this morning. Let's begin to worship God this morning. Yeah, keep coming down. There's space at this altar. There's space down here. You're not alone. Go see how great, how great is our God. He's going to rescue you. He's going to deliver you. He's going to shut the mouths of lions for you. Come on, just worship Him. Give Him thanks before it happens. Give Him thanks in advance. Lord, we praise You in this place. You are the lion of the tribe of Judah. You are powerful and mighty. All over this room, just worship wasn't sure what he was going to find. He might have thought he was going to find bones. He might have thought he was going to find a dead body or half dead. But he found a man who wasn't even touched by lions. Daniel said, they couldn't even touch me. They couldn't even get to me. No matter what they tried to do, it was like a force field was around me. I'm still here. I'm still standing. I'm still breathing. I believe God wants to make you untouchable against the enemy. He wants to give you provision, protection, surround you with angels. Lord, I thank you right now, God, for faith to rise up. Fear to be destroyed. Faith to rise up. Shame to be destroyed. Grace to rise up. You are a child of God. You are forgiven. You are not what you've done. You are a child of God. You're no longer a slave to fear. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Yeah. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Whoa. I'm no longer a slave to fear. 
time to get your fight back. It's time to get your passion back. It's time to get your life back. What the devil stole, I believe God's going to restore back to you. Double fold, seven fold for some in Jesus' name. You are not defeated. You are not defeated. Just say that with me. I am not defeated. I am not defeated. God is with me. God is for me. God is in me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I am a child of God. Lord, I need you. Let's all pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the dead. You died for me. So I repent of my sins. I receive your forgiveness. I need your help. I want to give you thanks because you're so good. You're faithful. I love you, Lord. Help me, God, to trust in you on a daily basis. I'm all yours, God. Use my life for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now give God some praise. Make some noise this morning.